Hi, I'm Paul Stringflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about the joy of working in Teams as we ask, how secure is your Microsoft Teams? So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. So on uh, on the show this time around, we're taking a look at a topic that uh, really intrigues me. It was um, It's actually based on a, a presentation I saw today's guest give um, a, a few weeks back that talked about the um, thing that's almost the eponymous Microsoft Teams now. You know, I think uh, for, for anybody who's seen uh, the ads on TV, uh, we are all living our lives in Teams. Um, but living our lives in Teams and, and seeing Teams rolled out in the way it has, has led to uh, maybe one or two issues with things like data security and things that potentially we're, we're not fully aware of. And that was certainly the thing that struck me when I uh, saw the presentation that, that today's guest um, guest is going to give. And I thought it would actually make a really interesting podcast just to kind of share some of the some of the considerations and things that you may not have thought about as it comes to rolling out Teams. So um, so wh- wh- why don't we crack on with that? And uh, let me introduce my guest. And so uh, today I'm joined by uh, Steve Nesbitt of Ronus. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Uh, hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm real good. Uh, n- nice to chat with you again. Um, so, well, but, but before we jump into today's topic, um, why don't you kick off by uh, introducing yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, a, a little bit about your background. Sure, no problem. So so my name is Steve Nesbitt. I work for Veronis in the UK as a systems engineer and Office 365 specialist. Um, I've been with the company about a year. So I joined uh, June 2019 and I joined directly from Microsoft. And I was at Microsoft for about seven years um, as an Office 365 technical specialist, mainly in the enterprise team. So that's accounts of usually about 10,000 seats and up. And so I spent quite a lot of that seven years basically taking those companies and they could be anybody from you know, oil and gas to finance to legal, you name it, um, taking those companies from, you know, largely being on-premises customers for things like SharePoint and Exchange um, up to the cloud and, you know, embracing Office 365. And um, before that, I worked a lot in SharePoint um, migrations, so moving data from on-premises into SharePoint um, online and obviously SharePoint on-prem where, where that was more suitable. So I've got quite a lot of background in, in the sort of unstructured data management area, and that's kind of what Veronis do. We're a, we're a cybersecurity company that basically puts classifying and protecting unstructured data. So, you know, office documents, that kind of thing, right at the heart of what we do. And given that Microsoft Teams has basically exploded on uh, to the scene um, recently, especially, you know, given the, the fact that so many people are now using it as their main collaboration area, it seemed like a good time to start tackling some of the questions uh, that that then brings forward when it comes to things like uh, data protection. Yeah, and I, th- I think um, I, I mean actually, I think our background kind of kind of sums up um, uh, maybe some of the stuff that really interested me in in this topic and, and what I've seen you present before was was kind of the, the the stretch and scope that Teams has, particularly the way it impacts things like SharePoint and, and OneDrive. Um, and, I, and I think those the, they are things that that people aren't necessarily aware of certainly as they as they roll out teams um, now I know if we'd, we'd recorded this about three months ago the next question might not sound as ridiculous as it as it probably does now but uh, but I'll give it a go anyway um, so you know for people who are listening to this who may not be familiar with what Microsoft Teams is um, did you want to give us a little bit of a background about uh, kind of what Teams is and you know an interesting obviously you say you, you spent a lot of time at Microsoft and, uh, and what the thinking was around uh, kind of the, the development of Teams and, and what, what it brings to an organization. 
Sure, yeah. So uh, believe me, I'm still having to, to tell people what Teams is quite regularly, um, <laughs> even even now. But uh, you're right, you know, more people have got hands-on experience with it than, than probably ever before at the moment. So basically, um, before we, we talk about Teams, we have to sort of wind the clock back a little bit before that. So Microsoft uh, obviously released Office 365, and, and there were cloud versions of a lot of products that people uh, knew and loved, such as, you know, SharePoint, Exchange, and those kind of technologies. And when you rolled out Office 365, what you ended up with was a whole toolkit of solutions, right? So everything from Yammer to OneDrive and everything in between Delve, you had all these services and solutions that were pretty much all either accessed via, you know, a browser or an app on a mobile phone and some integration with the Office client as well, occasionally, so, such as things like um, Outlook for Exchange. But there was a lot of stuff there, a lot of services. And, and as the time went, went on, the, the amount of services and the amount of applications that came out of the box were, were, was getting quite, you know, intimidating for a lot of users and organizations. And I think this coincided with, with Microsoft taking a look at the sort of collaboration space in general and looking at, you know, what were the primary use cases around things like SharePoint. And it, it looked like for 90% plus of the time, people weren't particularly bothered about some of the um, wider, more complex functionality of SharePoint. They just wanted somewhere secure where they could share files, collaborate, get work done, and then move on to the next one. And so I think both of those things have kind of come together, as well as perhaps a little bit of um, pressure in terms of things like Slack um, from, you know, from a competitive perspective has kind of pushed Microsoft down this road of, of effectively uh, launching Microsoft Teams. And what Teams is, basically, is a, a shop window into all the best services of Office 365 put together. So it's not a data store in and of itself. It's really just an application accessible via the web as a thick client on your phone, whichever way you want to access it, that gives you basically the ability to use the file storage capabilities of SharePoint to be able to have a calendar and email address, to use video conferencing, to be able to you know, develop applications, push them directly into there, to have social networking feeds pulled into that environment. So basically anything you want to support your team, whether it's business intelligence information, file storage, chat, you name it, whatever tools you want, all surfaced within a single uh, user interface. And the power of it really is, from a Microsoft perspective, is that it drives adoption. Because I can be using Teams, and at the back end, I'm using six or seven different services, Power BI, SharePoint, OneDrive, Exchange, all these different services together. And I think that's the beauty of Teams. And, and certainly when I, when I do these webinars and talk about the security implications of rolling Teams out, one thing we're keen to, to stress really is just how good a platform it is for collaboration. There's a reason why it's number one in the market, and it's because you know it's it's basically included with every Office 365 license. I think now um, things may have changed since I left, but I think pretty much everybody gets Teams as part of their entitlement these days. And it's very very simple for users to pick up, create Teams, start collaborating, and they really don't have to worry too much about all the different services that they're leveraging. They're just using easy to use tools that enable them to get their work done in a place that the the IT department has sanctioned for them to use. They can use on any device from anywhere. You know, it's fantastic from their perspective. And so what we see as a result of that is, and an explosion is the, use, the word we use on the webinar, is just thousands upon thousands of teams being created in, in larger scale organizations and the scale of the environment growing and growing and growing. And I think it's that... Um... 
it's that power and simplicity, isn't it? That that I think is a, a some of the kind of challenge that that teams presents because I think as you you know as, you, as you've really well described there that teams actually kind of is a really complex beast under the skin. You know what what teams looks like to us as an end user is that nice teams client with all of the things that we should be able to find and we can chat with people and we can collaborate and we can share files and we can present our screens and you know and all all of those kind of things we do were as you as you mentioned before we're, are kind of stretching across multiple parts of, of office 365 and i think like i said you know from a from a microsoft point of view that's great because it's driving adoption of, of all of those services as uh, services but 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 I think you know it, it's that, and certainly from my experience and, and having seen some of the stuff that you presented before, you know it's that kind of simple access to all of those things that starts to present some of the challenges, particularly around our data security. So you know, so, so do you want to kind of talk through some of the challenges as as you see them as people increasingly use Teams and and kind of you know using this kind of powerful collaboration tool? What what are some of the challenges that that's presenting? Sure, there are a few, and it's it's sometimes you know difficult to keep on top of everything that's been you know bolted on the back end. But the primary pieces that we need to be aware of are Office three sixty five groups as part of Exchange, Azure Active Directory as part of, you know obviously managing authentication and access, SharePoint Online, OneDrive for Business. Those are the primary areas that we're concerned about because those are the pieces that allow us to to manage both the content that we're creating and storing, but also the access of users to those to those areas as well. There are other bits and pieces that we, you know, we need to be concerned about, but but primarily those, those are the areas. So I think the, the easiest way to explain this is what happens when I create a team. Well, when I create a team, really, it's extremely easy. So I go into the, the user interface, I type a name, and I choose whether it's a public or a private team. And Private really in this context just means you have to be invited into it. You can't, unless you set it up this way or make it discoverable, you can't have people just join it because they want to. Basically, it's an invite-only team. So you choose private or public. And at that point, effectively, your work is done. Apart from adding a few members, you get all the functionality that's available, all the applications. The the SharePoint site at the back end is created for that team, and you can start storing uh, documents within that file share environment. At the back end, what's happened is you've created an Office 365 group, so that's integration with Exchange, which creates a routable email address, calendar, and other functionality. That then presents um, effectively groups to Azure Active Directory, and effectively Active Directory creates subgroups for owners, members, and guests, guests being external users. As I've said, you then create a SharePoint site at the back end associated to that team. And then you effectively make connections into a whole host of other services that your organization is making available. And that could be everything from Power BI to Stream to OneDrive for Business, you know, you name it. Whatever you've got effectively available for Office 365 can be then bolted into that team environment. So the, the first point to mention there is that's quite an unusual process for creation of collaboration spaces. In the past, when you had a SharePoint site, generally speaking, what would happen is you would template something out or you would build something which had permissions that were sort of specific to that particular site. And then you would create a taxonomy around that site. You'd add metadata, maybe even content types and other security records management features. Then add the users and content. Whereas with Teams, effectively, your permissions are flat. You, you go through that process, you click a button, as I've said, you create the team, the team gets built on the back end, and everyone in that team is effectively equal. You only have two default permission levels, which are owners and members, but both of those permission sets can see every document in that team. 
that's held within those SharePoint sites, that SharePoint site that backends that team. So we basically what we've done is we've created Azure Active Directory sites, groups and users in Office 365 groups. We've added users, so we've synchronized up to their OneDrive for Businesses, and we've built a single SharePoint site at the back end, which is going to host all of the information in each individual channel um, in that document library associated to that SharePoint site. So basically what we've got is an open site. So everyone in that team, so there's 10 people, now has access to every file within that environment. Now, you might say, well, so what? Well, the issue is really is that that, that then means that any future file that's dropped into that site is then accessible to everyone as well. And what we see is over time is that maybe the team morphs a little in terms of its, its purpose. So it started off being about topic A, and after six months, it's morphed a little bit into topic B. But users aren't particularly great at keeping up to date with the information that they put in in the first place. And as new users are added or users you know, leave, information doesn't necessarily flow in the same way. So you may end up with situations where you add someone in and they are um, avail able to access everything that's in that team from the first day it was created. And that's not always appropriate. And so we see these kind of oversharing um, sort of situations within organizations because it's very difficult, and I'll come to this in a minute, it's very difficult for a team user to get visibility on exactly what's happening. So I think point one is to remember is that flat permission structure. The fact that unless you template out a team or you have IT build every team with um, custom permissions, you're going to get this flat default structure. And so people say, well, why don't you just do that then? Well, there's a few reasons for that. First of all, you'd have to build a template for every conceivable collaboration scenario, and you'd have to hope that the users pick the right one. Secondly, you'd have to have IT create every team. If they, you know, and they don't want to do that because that hurts adoption. Because it, one of the great things about Teams is it's instant. I want a team, I get one, and I start working. If you start to say, oh, it'll be there in a couple of days, people, the adoption dies and people go back to the old uh, uh, technologies that we're using, email, etc. So point one really is that if Teams is rolled out in the way it's quote unquote supposed to be, it's very democratized. Everybody gets access and it's totally flat and everyone's basically equal from a document access perspective. The second piece is then they then added a feature called private channels. And basically what that means is you have a situation where if you have 10 users in a team and five of them need access to a, a channel and five don't, you can create a sort of subset of the users within a private channel. And this gives you a, but unfortunately, this gives you a whole new SharePoint site because the way SharePoint is architected is you can't have multiple permission sets on a single document library. So you have to create a second SharePoint site associated to the team. And what that means is you can have two SharePoint sites associated to the team. You can have up to 30 SharePoint sites associated to one team if you use the private channels feature. And believe it or not, these private channels are invisible to anyone in the SharePoint admin role. They don't show up in the admin uh, interface by design. So the only people who can see them are people who are actually members of the team who have access to those private channels. In other words, owners or members in those private channels. So again, these kind of things are not a problem when you have 10 teams. But if you imagine that you've got 10,000 teams and each team, uh, each one of those teams has one private channel, you've got 20,000 SharePoint sites that have grown probably in a couple of months. And it's that kind of scale that, that causes the issue. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's funny as you was talking. Uh, one of the notes I was making here was about how quickly this thing kind of scales. Because I think when you talk about ten thousand sites, people are assuming, um, you know, like you said in your introduction, you, you've worked with lots of companies to kind of ten thousand seats and above. Mm. Um, so lots of people might assume that well, for for teams to be that big and such a problem, I'll need thousands of thousands of users on it. But but you can see how with tens of users, you can suddenly find yourself with lots and lots of sites getting created at, at the back end. Um, you know, it strikes me very similar to kind of one of the issues that we've seen when as people started to adopt virtualization, suddenly this idea of virtualization sprawl because it became so easy to create a new server, to put an application on it. And suddenly people were creating servers and servers and servers. And suddenly you end up with this situation where nobody really knows what any of them do. Nobody knows how secure they are. I don't know whether they're patched. And I can kind of feel that with, with, with teams, you could very quickly find yourself in a, in a very similar scenario. I mean, is that, is that the kind of thing that you see? hundred percent. And and it's interesting bringing up SharePoint sprawl because wind the clock, clock back five years, that was what we were trying to avoid. We were trying, we were going in as consultants to try and fix SharePoint sprawl. Now yeah. SharePoint sprawl is, is almost desirable. Because it's it's effectively a, 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 a you can't get away from it if you're going to use Teams in the way that Teams is supposed to be used, which is to give it to the users to get them moving. So yeah, hundred percent. So I mean, in my time at Microsoft, I was probably in sixty Teams at any given time, and I don't think I ever. Well, I sometimes went through and did a bit of a cleanup in terms of leaving certain teams, but I had no idea of the data that was in there. Sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't even know what the team was for, you know, given the naming convention and the people were in there. And, you know, you get added into these environments, you get more and more of them, and, and users aren't the best at generally going to IT and saying, I don't need that anymore. Can you take it away? There are some controls to sort of remove teams if, the, if they're not being used. But again, in that case, you delete data that you may need. You may need. You've got to worry about that from any discovery perspective later on. It's not just as simple as just being able to flick a few switches in Office 365 and everything takes care of itself. I mean, I think one of the things that I've seen actually over over this kind of period, and again, you know, no, no surprise to anybody that we're recording this uh, during during uh, our lockdown here in the UK. But um, you know, I think one of the things that I've seen, you know, for for organisations, including my own, in in that where we started, where, where we had teams implemented initially. Um, you know, and it was just something we kind of would dabble with. You know, we were particularly using Teams. We weren't living in Teams in the, the way that we are now. Uh, but I think one of the things that you start to see is you start to use Teams more and more on a day-to-day basis. You start to modify your behavior. You start to modify the way that you use Teams. So where you were maybe initially trying this stuff out and just creating loads of Teams because you could, like you said, it's so easy to do um, that, you know, you now start to look at that and say, well, actually, I don't really need that. What I really want is a single team with channels under it, not multiple teams every time I come up with a subject or oh, I want some external teams where maybe I want to share stuff and I want to try and keep them separate. So, so you can see how this kind of sprawl for teams that are active and being used, but also this idea that teams that have been created suddenly, you know, just kind of gather dust and, and sit in a corner. Um, and, and I suppose that the thing you were talking about before as well, that obviously you can see how this potentially rides almost roughshod over that kind of well thought out SharePoint security model that you might have previously built. Um, and so, so, you know, you kind of touched on, there are some controls natively inside of uh, Office 365. So, so so what kind of things have you seen people doing trying to to manage uh, and, and control teams a little better and, and, and just using the native tools? What, what kind of limitations do they, they have? So, I think it's it's interesting that, you know, 
we are seeing modifications in behavior, as you've said, and we're not sure whether that's going to mean more teams or less teams, you know, more teams with one team with, with more channels, maybe more private channels or more teams in general. But either way, we're going to see a massive explosion in the number of sites that have been created. The issue with the the tools that you get within Office 365 are that they are okay for certain things. If you wanted like find an e-discovery um, you know, you want to find the word confidential in a team, you can probably do that. But Office 365 really doesn't have classification of data that is um, useful enough at, at, at scale within a major enterprise. The classification that you get out of the box within Office 365 is, is quite basic. Um, and, so the and so what that basically means is without accurate classification, it's almost impossible to know where to start looking to address issues around data and around over access. So what we do at Veronis really is we classify at a very high level of accuracy all the data within Office 365. And that's the first kind of differentiator. And it doesn't really matter whether you have E3 or E5 licensing. You can't kind of get out of, of, of some of these issues that we've talked about before. So that's kind of point one from there. And once we understand that classification, we're then able to use our, our tools to basically um, slice and dice the way that we look at information. So if you want to see, for example, where external users have access to sensitive data, where it's been shared anonymously, if you want to be notified when a user adds an external or even an internal user that's out of their department into um, your team's environment, then we can do that. And we can do all of this because we're basically hooked into all of the event APIs that Office 365 is, is providing. Now, some of this is available if you have the Microsoft E5 licensing with the CASB. Um, again, it doesn't solve the classification problem. You are able to say, for example, do a list of who has external access into these things. But you'd have to actually look at the tool to see the differences between the way that you can pivot around with the Veronis tool and, and, and the difficulty you have doing that within the, the, the Cloud App Security Broker tool. As well as this, we also have, you know, this, this, this um, set of abilities around cybersecurity on top of that as well. So looking at you developing user behavior models around access to that sensitive information. So again, I just wanted to say that, you know, we're looking to partner with Microsoft on Teams because what we feel is we want to support them on their goal to have Teams be as widely adopted as possible. And we feel that by utilizing our tools, we're, we're able to do that. Because what we can do is tell you exactly where the sensitive data is, who has access to it and when and what they're doing with that with that access. And then we're able to build user behavioral models to make sure that anything happening to that data is within the lines of, of you know, what the what the, the company actually wants to um, wants to do and wants to see. So so that's just a kind of a, a bit of a brief overview there. So very much from a, from a Verona's perspective, we're really looking at complementing Microsoft. And we actually work with Microsoft quite a lot around this because ultimately their goal is to get Teams used. The biggest thing that's stopping Teams getting used is the amount of risk that's potentially seen with having unstructured and sensitive data in the cloud. If we can give you the visibility into that unstructured data and help you manage those risks, the risks become then acceptable and teams can be pushed out to more and more people and more and more data can be processed in that environment. I think the thing that you've just said there actually is, 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 is a hugely important point around this. I think it's that idea of being aware of the risks, you know, and I think that's what struck me when I saw, and I'll put some links into um, certainly a kind of a demonstration video that myself and you recorded a couple of weeks back, um, as well as some of the kind of the, the, the broader stuff that you've done. Because cause I think with this, this kind of risk stuff, this is not about us talking about, you know, teams being full of security holes because, you know, because no, it's not. not. And I think 
and, and I think it's like most things, as long as you know, uh, and this is a conversation I'm having with people increasingly now around Teams, and, and actually around Office 365 more broadly, as long as you know what the native capabilities are versus how that maps to your own kind of security modeling and, and risk assessment, you can then make a decision on whether the controls that you have inside of Office 365 or inside of Microsoft 365 are enough or whether you need to try and supplement them either procedurally, you know, you need more strict procedural use or better education, or whether you need to use tools like Verona's do to say, yeah, let's let's plug those tools in alongside it because that gives me better visibility. I understand the risk. That risk is way too much for us to take on as an organization. Um, and what I need to do is apply some additional capability around that so that I can see if we're taking a, a unnecessary risk with our data or our, you know, and I think, um, I think the, the other conversation that happens a lot around Office 365, this idea of data protection, I think it falls very much into a similar kind of camp. You know, what what I can do natively inside of 365 is is one thing, but is that enough to meet all of my data protection, backup and recovery needs? You know, maybe I need to look at external tools to supplement that. Um, uh, but is that, is that the way that you see a lot of your conversations go in terms of, of kind of that conversation, you know, putting your Verona's hat on now and, you know, that, that idea that people are, you know, do, once they see kind of what you guys do, start to appreciate the risks. And even if they, they feel they don't need additional tools like Veronis, understanding the risk and the architecture better is helping them to better secure and, and use Teams. Well, definitely. Because I mean, one of the, the thing, one of the things you said there was really interesting is around visibility, because that's the probably the other kind of high level bit that we see people not really understanding. The fact that just because you're a team owner, you don't have the visibility from that interface into everything that's going on, as in who shared what document with whom and at what level of sharing that they have. And so most people get a little surprised in terms of, you know, when you point out the fact that if someone shares the site at a SharePoint level, the site that was created behind your team, you can't see that in Teams if you're the owner. And you can't even see it in Azure Active Directory. You have to go to SharePoint to find that out. And most people aren't aware of that because they're not SharePoint experts. They don't want to spend all their time meddling with SharePoint permissions and probably don't feel comfortable to do so in a lot of cases. And so what we're trying to do with the webinar series that I've been doing and the conversations I'm having is not put people off using Teams. That's not what we're trying to do at all, or even say that Teams has any as security holes, because from an Office 365 perspective, it's as secure as the rest of the platform. In fact, it pretty much leverages all the platform, you know, that, that we that we that we're all aware of. But what we are saying is from a point of view of scale, of um, the, the permission structure, the, the visibility challenges that the owners and members have, and the lack of ability to be able to accurately classify the data, these things are not necessarily things you can license your way out of. You can throw as much money at Microsoft licensing as you want, and these, these things will still remain. And so our, our, our sort of purpose around this, all, if you like, is... If the goal here is to get the most out of your Microsoft Enterprise Agreement, right? Well, the best way to do that is drive your digital transformation. And the number one tool to drive your digital transformation is going to be Teams. The biggest threat to that digital transformation program, as far as we can tell, is the fact that you are then opening up a whole can of worms in terms of, you know, potential oversharing of sensitive data and potentially a lack of visibility in terms of if I ask someone what data is in the environments that they are supposed to own, they're going to struggle to answer that question. And so Veronis effectively comes in and, and plugs those gaps. And we classify the information. We give you that, that sort of information in there as well to be able to say, okay, this data is here, accessed by this person. And this is a problem because of this. 
The final thing we do as well is we, we, we link in with the um, Azure Information Protection labeling that Microsoft provides. So we can actually tell you, we can do this automatically on premises, but in the cloud, we can tell you where documents are classified a certain way and where they need those uh, AIP labels applied. And in that way, because we're writing metadata into the documents, we can actually improve the performance of things like Microsoft DLP, Cloud App Security and Rights Management Services. So for us, when we're having these conversations, it's really not about necessarily Veronis as a tool. It's more about these are the things that are the reality of Teams. And, you know, throwing all your information into the cloud is not going to remove all the challenges that you have with it on premises. It's just going to move what was potentially a mess on premises where there was a lot of oversharing, a whole misunderstanding of what sensitive data meant. And it's just going to put that into a new environment where people perhaps are more likely to be able to spin up new and more collaboration environments and effectively just make the sheer amount of places that data resides greater every day. I, I guess people must look at you like you're crazy when you say putting all your data in the cloud won't automatically solve all your problems. I mean, yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> that sounds like madness. Uh, it sounds like madness in the modern world. But um, you know, but I think what you know, a, a hugely important part of what you've just been talking about there is this idea, and it's a conversation I have all the time with people when we talk about kind of data and, and how they're using data and, and, and data strategy. Is you know, you, you can't deal with what you don't know. So you know, I think as you, you've really articulately shared there that. You know, one of one of the things that you do as part of your role now, and and with your experience of Teams and SharePoint, you know, from, from your time at Microsoft, is to help people understand exactly what that environment looks like, exactly where their data is going, and and you know, and the more insight and visibility people can have into how that data is being used, what that data contains, the better they can build a data security model, whether it's in three six five, whether it's on prem, or you know, as we've been talking about here, whether it's with within Microsoft Teams. So, but Steve, I, I think as we kind of come to the end of our time here, you know, that's been again really interesting, really insightful. I hope for for people uh, listening to this, they've they've learned a little more about how Teams operates and some of the things they should. Uh, should be concerned about, maybe should plan for. Uh, but if people do want to find out a little bit more about some of the work that you do and, and some of the stuff that Veronis do around Teams, um, is there a good way they can find that? Yeah, so, so the first thing is um, Stephen Nesbitt. Um, I'm probably the only one you'll find on LinkedIn who has you know Microsoft and Veronis in their bio, so please connect to me on there. I accept every connection uh, because what I'm really interested in doing is getting to understand, you know, what people are really interested in uh, around, you know, management and security of data. From a Veronis perspective, veronis.com um, is the website and there is a ton of information. One of the things I've been actually really impressed about with this company is the amount of training and information that they put out there that's just um, around cybersecurity generally, not even related to their products. So, you know, it, it, their blogs on there are often to do with threats that they've uncovered, you know, best practice around around areas that have nothing to do with, you know, the actual products themselves. And I think that's really that's really good. But there's a whole host of information on there. So please, you know, reach out to me from, from those channels. I just want to leave with the, with the point that, uh, you know, on a day that we've just seen um, a major airline be hacked for 9 million customer records, Data security has never been more important. And, you know, we, we're seeing this every single day. And so please get in touch if you want to have any questions, if you've got any follow-up questions around Microsoft Teams about the way that the, the risks and the things we can do to mitigate them, I'm more than happy to answer them. 
Well, well, that's great, Steve. Now, I'll, I'll make sure kind of uh, those links to the Verona site and, and your LinkedIn profile kind of uh, go in there. You know, I'm, I'm the same. I, I like to accept all connections on LinkedIn. It makes me feel popular, uh, which is <laughs> which is always good. And, and of course, that's what LinkedIn's there for, same as Twitter. Uh, but, Steve, I, you know, I, I think great insights again. As I say I'll make, make sure we uh, we also include in the show, note, include in the show notes some of the, uh, some of the video and webinar series stuff that's available on demand that you've done. Uh, because I think, you know, for something like Teams, as we've said all through this, this uh, episode, it's a really powerful and useful tool and you know and it's allowed my business for example to carry on pretty much as normal throughout um, throughout the kind of last seven or eight weeks where we've uh, where, where the world has changed as, as greatly as it has and um, so this was definitely not about trying to rubbish teams it's more about enabling people to use teams in the best and most secure way they can but um, Steve I mean really, you know, really appreciate you sharing your time with us uh, thanks for coming no on the show and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime oh, in the future thanks a lot cheers thanks bye I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you'd like to appear on the show or have an idea for a show, then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. And to make sure you catch all future episodes of Tech Interviews, then why not subscribe? You can find us in all good homes of podcasts, which includes Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>